The scripture from tonight is from the first and the last chapters of the Bible. First being from Genesis 2, 18 through 25. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field, every bird of the heavens, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock, to the birds of the heavens, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs, closed up its place within the flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Revelation 21, 9 through 14. The New Jerusalem. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Thanks be to God. All right, let me get this going here. We are starting a new series tonight. Uh, it's a marriage with mileage, a redo of I do. We were going to do it in uh, last year, but uh, we were in between uh, finding places, and so uh, uh, we postponed it, and by God's providence, here we are. Uh, tonight, this intro is going to be really crucial for the rest of it. It's going to be really crucial. And some of you are going to think, boy, I don't know if we covered really a lot of in-depth uh, Bible teaching in this intro. But I'm telling you, it's really important that we talk about this intro because it's going to make the rest of it make sense. We've got to talk about it. Uh, and I, what I didn't want to do is, in these subsequent ones, just have this massive you know, 20-minute intro, and it would just kill everyone. And you'd be like, hey, let's go, let's go, buddy. Uh, we've got a Rams game to watch. So... Um, uh, you're, we have to do this. Why are, we, why are we talking about marriage? All right, because it, it, it's true, it, it really doesn't apply to everyone. It doesn't apply to everyone. Uh, uh, 
but, but it's my case to tell you like, why it's important that everybody in Jesus' church hears about what we're talking about. So let me make that case to you first. Um, it, it's for students and youth, right? Those, uh, we would say, you, uh, people, teenagers, people under age, right, before marriage. Um, they need to hear something, and you guys need to hear something as students. You need to hear that something is difficult, yes, and positive. You, you, you need to hear that. Um, you need to hear something that's realistic and compelling. Because you're going to hear probably just one of those messages in your life. You're going to see and become jaded and cynical and say, you know what, marriage is dumb, I don't even want to get married. You're going to hear that. Or you're going to hear an opposite message, which is this, you know what, let's just, let's just shack up, let's just live on love. It's, you will romanticize this together thing and not have a realistic view of what it's all about. So I see kind of both sides. You're going to romanticize or um, you're going to be cynical and jaded. So look, you need to hear this tonight. If, if you're a student and if you want to look forward, uh, I'm telling you, marriage is hard and difficult. Um, but I would venture to guess that nothing in your life is really wonderful and satisfied unless it is difficult. Okay, so that's for your students. Now, um, for singles, so if, if, and I mean singles that, um, you're single now, but you long to be married, and I mean singles that are like, hey, I'm never getting married. Um, uh, every meeting I've been in, whenever I do a relationship series, everyone in these planning meetings, it, without fail, everyone's just like, oh my goodness, you're talking about marriage, what are the singles gonna do? What are the singles going to do? Like, they're just going to freak out, start crying, and leave. All right? Uh, what are the singles going to do? Uh, <laughs> listen, listen. Um, it's really important for the singles, and I'm going to tell you why. Did you know that you can learn things in theory that you will not practice yet, and yet they will be wildly helpful to you? They will mitigate, not prevent, hardship. Example. I need an example. I don't know. I'm starting to freak out. I'm single. Okay, calm down. All right. I may never have hiked before, but I'm going to read a lot about hiking and, and how to survive in the outdoor. And one day, if I were to go hiking, that would be helpful to me. And I would call it up and I'd be like, hey, I learned this thing and I can make fire or just use a lighter. I don't know. But you, you said, there's a lot of things we can learn in theory that actually help and will mitigate hardship. Notice I didn't say prevent hardship. I said mitigate hardship. Uh, all right, B, for singles. You know a lot of married people. And you live in community. So, like, why? Why wouldn't you say, well, I guess I'll learn something about my married friends so that I can understand them, have empathy for them, maybe even encourage and minister to them. Or are you like, nope, I come to church and it should be all about me. Like, I still haven't met that single, and yet in all these planning meetings for churches, there's like, what about the singles? Um, singles, you, I hope, uh, come up to me and you're like, yeah, that was horrible, it didn't minister to me. I really want, it, I want real feedback, because then I, I won't do this, right? 
Well, maybe that's not true. All right. So um, what if you're a single and you're like, I never want to get married? Well, that part about empathizing and understanding your friends, right? That part. Um, But that doesn't mean you'll ever stop relating to people. When Paul says, like, I'm not getting married, he's not saying, like, I've ceased with relationships. No, he's just saying, like, I don't need this intimate thing to have these relationships and to understand Jesus. I don't need that picture. And so you're going to always need this picture of what marriage is to understand God. So even if you don't ever want to get married, let's talk about marriage. Let's talk about marriage. All right, so for marrieds who are buzzing along pretty contentedly. Um, This series is for you because I want to do something. I want to ruin your contentedness. (laughs) I do. Now, I don't want to do it because I'm a jerk. I only want to do it if it's going to lead you to something better and more wholeness. So beware if you're like, hey, I think I'm cool. Um, for marrieds who are sad, man, you're feeling the pain, you're feeling the loneliness, you're feeling dissatisfaction, you're feeling alienation, you are feeling hostility. This series is for you. It is. Uh, but let me, let me, let me, <laughs> let me just put a parenthesis here. I know you may want it better. You, may, you might want the pain points in your life to stop. But would you just consider something in the back of your head tonight is don't assume that you really do want the pathway to wholeness. Because the pathway to wholeness is a little tougher than you might imagine. But I want to tell you something. There is hope ahead. I've been in the trenches for a while. Like, I have talked to a lot of married couples. I have seen a lot of pain in the past 20-plus years. And you know what? Some melt and go away and disband and get divorces. Some, and, and then find new life. Some that seemed hopeless find new life. Like, like, what I'm trying to tell you here is whatever, wherever you are is not the end. And don't look for this series to be the wand that fixes it. It's going to be a little longer there, but it could be a start to that. All right, for um, the divorced and those extremely hurt, for those remarried, for young, old, newlyweds, like I'm just telling you, um, there is a newness in the Christian life that every single one of us ex- experience. If you're a Jesus follower, you experience that newness almost every day, daily. Like I am broken and fractured and I need a savior. Right, I, I, like Everybody, like, it's just a different type of brokenness. And you say, you know what? I need Jesus for that. But what it doesn't do is make you secondhand goods. That is nonsense. Not in Jesus. So you know what? This marriage series, it's pretty much for all of us. Um, Even the toddlers, they don't know it. It's for them. All right. I I said this, this series is not going to be, and I'm going to encourage you to some application points that are going to be consistent throughout the series, counseling being one of them. We'll talk about that later. Living in community, we'll talk about that later. Um, 
I'm, I'm just going to say, it's not going to fix your marriage. And if you are just hoping inside somewhere, you're like, you know what? I just really hope my, my spouse locks in on Tim right now. I just really, really hope. Please, Jesus, please, my spouse, be listening. Good prayer, but it's a secondary prayer. Like, if you think it's for your spouse before it's for you, you will miss this series. You will totally miss it. I want it for you first before you even think about your spouse. Please, 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 please say, Jesus, by your spirit, would you talk to me and me alone right now? And guess what? Trust God to work with your spouse. Just trust them. Say, I'm, I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen and I want you, I'm going to respond to you, but you work with my spouse. I know that's hard, but I'm going to say it. Um, I, I think of, with that point, I think of John Donne. Thank you, Jonathan, for your poetry. Um, um, uh, 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 he, he has that, for whom the bell tolls. In, in English country churches, um, whenever you heard the bell ring, it meant to the whole community, like, oh, someone died. I don't know who it is. I'll hook up the horse and buggy and go to the neighbors to find out who it was, right? Um, and, and John Donne says this, no, 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 no. Don't ask for who it's ringing. Don't ask for who died. It tolls for thee. And that's what I want to talk about this series, is this series is tolling for you before it tolls for anybody else, okay? All right. The second thing I need to do is I need to convince you that you need this. I have to convince you that you need this. And you know what? I have to convince my heart all over I I need it too. So here's a composite of people living in our community, and I don't just mean the way community, I mean it like South Pass, Pasadena, San Marino, San Gabriel, community of where we are in life. So let me describe that composite for you, is this, is most of us waited a little bit to get married. I have gum in my mouth, you should never do this as a public speaker. What am I doing? (laughs) And he's teaching us about marriage. Funny. Okay. All right. So you waited a little longer to get married. You found someone great. Um, You knocked out your education. You chased your career. You did well. Um, For the most part, our community, and again, I mean that in the large, you're pretty adept at navigating each other's quirkiness. Um, you make excellent business partners. You guys share duties. We d- we're not like our parents where um, it was rigidly assigned to like sex and gender, like who does what. No, no, for the most part, our generation, for this composite, we're actually pretty helpful with a lot of different things. Uh, studies show, bear that out. You share schedules. You help each other. You've learned, you've learned this over, let's say if we're at Anywhere from seven years married to, let's say, 15 years married. There's a sliding scale, but that's our community. Um, uh, You learn to fight better. Like, you learn to avoid certain words, certain triggers, not to push too hard on an issue, as long as they don't push too hard on an issue to do with you. Um, uh, You do your part. They do theirs. And for the most part, this is a description, is that you're running on two parallel tracks, Maybe if the goal is not um, highly defined, maybe it's retirement, kids to college. For the most part, you're running on parallel tracks, but it's, it's grown to be pretty isolated. 
Like, you do your part, I do my part, we shake hands, high-five each other, roll over, go to bed. Uh, you're crushing the American life as co-workers together. You're doing, you're doing a great job. But, uh, but slowly, and this is the composite, there's been an increase of separation in our private thoughts and lives, and um, there's less intimacy. I'm not talking about just physical stuff. I'm, I'm just talking about the gritty recesses of laboring over what's going on in the inner part of your life with your partner. And the intimacy is less. The spiritual intimacy is low as well. We'll talk about that. And it's yielded this. This is for the most part, and it's borne itself out even in the quarantine is our marriages were really, really difficult in the quarantine. It exposed something. What did it expose? We were so busy running schedules, and then we have to live around each other for two years, like up close, and we we're like, oh, yeah. I kind of can't wait to go back to the office. So it exposed a little bit. Here's some questions for you. These questions are not meant to shame. I went through these questions. I'm not going to tell you which ones they were from up front, but I am not doing well here. So if you think, oh, Tim's out to shame me and make me feel bad about my marriage. No, I'm like in line with you. All right, here, here. Do you enjoy your spouse? I'm talking about like friend, pal, like to do stuff together, laugh maybe. Do you enjoy your spouse? Can you articulate what your spouse is fearing right now? In a way that your spouse would say, yeah, that's kind of it. Can you articulate what your spouse hopes for in a way that would make your spouse nod their head and say, yeah, that's it. Here's one, it's, it seems a little weird, but, but see if you can answer it in your head. <laughs> Is there tenderness still between you and your spouse? Tenderness. Is there expressed gratitude between you and your spouse? Hey, thank you so much for doing that for me. Are you friends with your spouse? Do you have deep, persistent, consistent intimacy in your, with your spouse? And physicality is only a part. Do you pray with your spouse? I cannot answer in good ways for some of these. And he's teaching the marriage series. I can't believe it. Get this guy out of here. Oh, well, whoever else wants to teach it. <laughs> I welcome you. There's this amazing thing. All right, in Genesis 2, God creates humanity, and you have, you have God, you have Adam, and you have Eve in the garden. And there's this amazing thing. It's a triad where everything works, and... Um, in relating to each other, and there's joy between Adam and Eve, and there's joy between Eve and God, and there's joy between God and Eve, and there's, there's joy in that triad, right? 
and then the fall occurs, and it fractures everything. And this is the first move. This is the first move from that triad is to let's go to a dyad. Let's go to two revolving cells around each other. Let's, let's boot God out of the triad. Let's run away and hide, and we'll be the dyad against bad guy, bad God, scary God. Uh, that's the first move. Run from God, work it out together. There's lots of blame, though, in that dyad. That dyad. There's lots of shame, and um, there's actually um, a lot of self-saving. And it's God who comes to pursue them, and it's God who restores that triad again in some bare way. I'm going to restore the triad. You thought a dyad would be good. You and your running on love, you thought that would work. It didn't work. I had to pursue you. Um, the, 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 the trend of humanity, and I don't even know, if, is monad a word? <laughs> Maybe monocellular. I know that's a word. Um, C.S. Lewis says this, hell is a place where people keep moving farther and farther away from each other to get away from each other. And so the trend of humanity and brokenness is actually more and more isolation. We can't handle being around people. Now, listen to this. Um, This is what I've seen in American Christianity and American Christians. Um, Americans, just as a whole culture, we've privatized religion. In fact, we've made a noble thing out of privatizing religion. Like, dude, don't bring your religion to work. Bro, 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 don't bring it to the marketplace. We've, we've had a noble thing, like, let's, don't do that. You keep that over there. Privatize religion, and we won't talk about it in public spaces. And we, what we've done is we've made that such a noble thing, I don't think you realize how much it has pressed in on you as a Jesus follower. I don't think I've realized it until this last week. This is what has happened, is American Christians have been so influenced here is that this is what we have to admit, is that we have privatized spirituality so much that this is how we've made, this is devout Jesus-following Christians, Americans. Um, We have privatized our spirituality so much is that we've made the dyad me and God and my spouse maybe sometimes super rarely. We haven't brought them along with our understanding and knowing God. So I just want you to see how, how the culture of privatized has, has touched our marriages, whether we like it or not. We need a healthy triad, so that's going to be part of it. Um, I, need, I need to show you how, why we need this too. In the creation story, um, God, this is interesting, is you'll, you'll see this in Genesis is where God um, creates things Ex nihilo, and what he says is he speaks a word, and there's creation. There's all the raw materials and, and stardust and all, all of that stuff. And, but this is what's interesting is when it comes to man, it, it, it says that the scriptures tell us that God fashions humanity out of the dust of the earth and whoa, breathes life into him. Now, this is what that picture means for us, is that we know humanity is going to be of humanity's flourishing, humanity's sustenance, um, their, their, their satisfaction, um, they're, they're just living, like vita- just making it is going to be tied to the created things of earth. Our family's been talking uh, about going to Mars, not our family going to Mars, but we've been talking about the idea, the theoretical idea of, uh, of humanity first going to Mars. Um, 
I had a joke there, but I'm, I, it's, it seems off topic. So I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to go on. Um, but this is what's interesting. If, we, if humanity ever makes it to Mars, like a manned Mars mission, you know what is really hilarious? Is that we are bringing Earth with us. Like, that's the only way we're going to be able to survive on Mars if we bring a lot of earth, cool Earth stuff with us. And so that first picture of Jesus, of God forming man from the dust of the earth, is like, you're going to be tied to this, needing this for a full, flourishing, vital life. Now, this is what's interesting in Genesis uh, that J.D. read for us, is when it comes to woman, he doesn't form woman from the dust of the earth. He pulls woman, he fashions woman from the side of man, from the rib. So that picture is going to tell us something. So the earth is going to give us vitality, sustenance, satisfaction in a lot of areas, but there's going to be something greater that gives us deeper satisfaction, deeper sustenance, deeper vitality, because it's even more intimate. It's saying humanity, you are, your, your connectedness to this deeperness is connected to this dyad that has to happen. That's the picture that we see. So I'm telling you, you need this. Now, you could say, well, I'm a, I'm, I want to be single, and I want to be single for life. Let me tell you, is it's still at play. It's saying this, is that perspective, the, the female's perspective, the male's perspective, it, it is necessary for the flourishing of whatever you want to do. Boardrooms have to be filled with it, right? Committees, teams. Like, we're, you're going to need, for fuller flourishing, fuller sustenance, is you're going to need those two, that diet. You're going to need it. So I'm, I'm just telling you this. I'm making this case. It's like, why do I need this? The, Genesis 2 tells us why we need it. We need the triad, and we need that connectedness for that deeper satisfaction, deeper living, greater living and sustenance. Um, now now I, I need to do this. I need to convince you that it's worthwhile to go through what we're doing. I can talk about need. I can do all those preambles. But I need to convince you it's worthwhile. Because some of this process is actually kind of tough. And you won't do it unless you think it's worthwhile. I won't do it unless I think it's worthwhile. So that's what I I, I have to convince you uh, briefly. Um, Personal story. Um, I, I'd been married, um, I got married in 1999, it took to 2011, I've told some of you this story, um, my wife is cool with me telling you this story, so don't get all nervous, um, um, but uh, there was, I, I'd been starting to work, I was just like you, I wanted to crush it, even as a minister, I was ambitious, and I started working more and more and more, and my hours started to climb up, you know, 60 hours a week. 65, and you're always trying to get a little bit more and manage the griping from home. Like, hey, do you want to be home with the Well, you know, just a little bit more. They really need me, and it's really great, and there's so much pain, and I'm like, <sighs> that's me making fun of my garbage thinking, by the way. Um, and it, there, there, was a, there was a tornado that came through our city, and I was... I was threw myself into like more work, more relief work, more community civic work, blah, blah, blah. And, um, 
And, and we sat down. My wife was just like, we need to go to counseling. Like, this, this can't, this can't, like, it can't go on. It can't persist this way. And that's a come to Jesus moment. And um, it, it was unsettling and unmooring in my life. I had to um, go to our elder board, and uh, Melissa and I went to counseling, and it strips away a lot of stuff, and you don't feel like everything's going right. And that happens for a long time, and you have to call in the big guns because, um, like, they, they, they had to call in a, a, a counselor from a seminary because, like, that's only going to do, we got a problem here. Um, why? Our marriage needed help. It really did. And, and look, I know a lot of us want, because when you're in the pain, you're just like, I want a pill or a wand, or I want, please, please, give me a quick fix. That maybe just takes three or four weeks. Please, please, please. And I'm telling you, there's not a quick fix. There's not a quick fix. It's unsettling. Um, but I will tell you this. If you taste something one time, and it's good. I'm telling you, you want to taste it again. Just once. Uh, my, my, my sons and I, we're doing this um, Los Angeles cheeseburger tour. It's kind of like our thing. You know, bro time, guy time. We can't tell the ladies what we talk about. <laughs> my... All right, again, I had an ill-time joke. Just, I'm going to go forward. All right. And we went to Goldberger in um, Highland Park. It was on our list. If you have more to put on our list, we want to do it because we rate them on sheets and everything. Um, and it's a smash burger joint, and it's really small. But, like, we had it, and it was like, now that is a good burger. That's Goldberger. They're not paying me, by the way. Um, I want to go back to Goldberger before we hit a new place. Why? Because when you taste something really good, you want to taste it again. And the, the same is true is like if you've had this moment with your spouse, and it can be in counseling or not, but moments with your spouse and, and streaks at a time where there is deep revealing to each other, and it's gross. I grant you, a lot of that can be gross. Don't, I, I'm not romanticizing that. And you get through it and you taste someone who loves you without running away. Ah, that is Goldberger. That is Goldberger. Now, I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying it's worthwhile. I'm saying it's worthwhile. Um, let me, uh, nope, I'm going to wrap, I got to wrap it up. All right, I have tons of stories here, <laughs> and that's, that's probably what's going to extend this, this series, is you're going to be like, ah, he tells us so many stories, but I think it'd be helpful. Um, why does Jesus matter in all of this? Um, I, I'm reading a book, I'm almost done with it, Matthew Spector's um, Always Crashing in the Same Car. He's, he's not a, a Jesus person, but he's writing on um, art, culture, and Los Angeles. Brand new book, and um, he's talking about a lot of different um, movers and shakers in his historical L.A. Basin. And he talks about this little um, uh, 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 writer, not little, 
this writer, Carol Eastman, I met Little in like um, fame and uh, productivity. And he, and, and he starts make, examining like her life. And in her notes, she wrote this. She said, I have worked for love and acceptance to be important and therefore worthy of love. Man. A lot of us have done that. Like, like in the dyad of our marriages, we have either demanded of ourselves or our partners, you dance, you juggle, you do your job, and you don't fall down, and I will love you. But what if that in that triad, meaning Jesus himself, your spouse believes for themselves, I have the approval of the most high God already. I have all of his love, and I believe that for you too. You dirty, rotten scoundrel. <laughs> There's, you guys can laugh at these things. Um, that's grace. That's grace. Like if you've tasted, this is why Jesus matters in your marriages because like, oh, I'm tasting this grace and I'm going to be in a dyad where I, I want them to taste grace and I want to taste grace with, with this other person. Um, I'm going to skip ahead. I'm going to miss, I'm going to actually, you are, you know what? You're missing out. <laughs> there, there, when we taste forgiveness in a weekly fashion, daily fashion, if you, if you have private worship with Jesus, but at the barest, you experience like, oh, Jesus forgives me all over again here in a weekly setting, worship setting. Um, you get a micro taste preview of what Jesus is going to, that, that revelation picture of Jasper and Crystal. You're like, I, I experience, that's why it's worthwhile is that your life is not lonely and as depressing as your neighbors and friends because you're going to taste forgiveness again and again. And I'm not saying that even fix your marriage. You know what's funny is the Catholic Church I don't believe this, but I understand why they believe it. The Catholic Church believes that marriage is a holy sacrament. What's well, a sacrament? A sacrament is a means of grace, a conduit by which we experience the grace of God. And I understand why they think it's a sacrament. I don't agree with it, but I understand why, because what this person next to me has me taste forgiveness when they know Jesus and I know Jesus. They, they, they have me taste forgiveness over and over and over for dumb stuff and big stuff. It's shared. Now, I'm going to say this. Um, <laughs> you guys got to hear this because guess what? I don't know of anybody in our community who has an awesome rocking marriage. Everyone's going to get offended. But I'm not, I need to talk to him afterwards. Show him. My awesome rock and marriage. I don't, I, I don't know of anybody. Your marriage is not a referendum and description of your being, of your success, any more than your job or where your kid, what, what your kids do. No, no. The whole basis of 
who you are tonight is not your marriage. It is Jesus Christ alone and what he's done for you. That's, that's how you can walk out of here, not in shame, because you're like, oh, the person I am tonight is based on Jesus, and it's not based on my marriage. That, that gives you a little hope towards like, oh, I, whatever happens, he has great care of me. Whatever happens. Um, I, this is why Jesus matters in all of this. This is the last one. Um, we do need this picture of redemption, yes, like in Revelation, but we need a picture of redem- what redemption looks like and taste it in the here and now in the broken pieces. And this is what I think, what, if you commit yourself to this difficult, worthwhile road towards something, what is that something? I, 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 I was gonna show a video, I won't show the video because just for time, it's this beautiful picture. I think, I think we often view God as like, um, a, or we, we picture redemption as um, the successful you walking up to the podium and accepting rewards. And your award speech is like, I would just like to thank Jesus for carrying my bags and holding my water and just really being a great wingman. So thanks, everybody. I'm a success. That's what we conceive of redemption in weird Christianity world. This is what success looks like in Christianity. The the Christianity that I know and read, this is what success looks like. Your life and my life are broken, shattered pottery pieces. And redemption in Jesus Christ is like the, um, I'm going to hack this word up. It's um, the Japanese kintsugi. It's where they take the pottery and they use molten gold and they do it for the joinery and they put all the pieces back. And this gorgeous bowl at the end of the day is glittering and amazing and, dare I say, better than the original piece. Where all the joinery is filled with the redemption of Jesus pulling all our broken pieces into something that can hold. That's gorgeous that only Jesus can do that. I can't do it. You guys can't do that. And that's why we need to always appeal to him and say, how do we do this and put our marriages under the Lordship of Jesus, not to shame, not for like fakeness, like, hey, we're, we're doing really great. No, none of that garbage. But like whatever happens, that re-knitting is going to be real and it's not going to be fake. I long for that. And I know, I've talked to enough of you and enough people in our broader community, we're like, that longing is real, but we don't know how to get there. That's why we need this series. It's why we need Jesus most of all. Let's pray into that. Jesus, come now by your spirit and help us. Help us in our brokenness that goes, yes, beyond our marriages, but we're focusing on our marriages. Jesus, we need you. We need you to um, make us beautiful. We need you to heal. We need you to forgive. We need you to um, give us endurance to go through very, very difficult times. So, Jesus, please, please help. Amen.